Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Monday morning and Thursday morning. Today is Monday, though, Romans Bible study. This morning we will begin in chapter 10. This will be part one of chapter 10. And I'm just uh, always thrilled and excited to be here sharing God's Word with those who would uh, have a desire to learn God's Word. And I know you can get on social media you can get on YouTube, you can get on Facebook, you can hear, you can get on Google. You, so many avenues through which you can hear people reading and uh, sharing the Word of God. Uh, but there are few in the land today, but there are some, but there are few who uh, are sharing God's Word as it is truth in its righteous context. The, the fruit of our Bible study, the fruit of our worship service, if it's, if it's of God, will be that when it's over, we will have a greater picture of Jesus Christ, a greater trust and hope and joy and peace found in Jesus Christ through a, through a faith that is uh, becoming more and more determined to, to trust in nothing else, not, not, not going to trust in anything other than Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary. And so there are a few out there. Uh, and in the midst of this uh, noisome pestilence that we're going through right now, this COVID-19 situation that's uh, this smoke screen that's all over the earth today, literally. I want you to know that you can trust the Lord God in the midst of this. You can trust Him. You, God, God is going to bring out of this uh, those which He's able to wake up and those that will begin to hearken unto Him again. Now, many times... In situations such as this, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it's all over social media when there's a crisis, and rightly so. But the focus on that is, is that people make it is prayer. And the focus of that scripture is really not prayer. Uh, that, that, is a, that is a part of it. But there's something before praying that has to take place or praying will be of no effect. James said, you have not. Because you ask not. Now you're asking and you still don't have. It's, it has everything to do with the wisdom of God. Before the word pray is seen in Second Chronicles 7.14, the word humble yourselves. And that means we have to go back to Jesus and His work at Calvary. We have to repent from our wicked way, which is trusting in anything other than Christ's work at Calvary. Listen, we've looked at that for years and just thought it was our going out and getting drunk and our going out and doing this. It was sinful, obviously. But the wicked way for God's people is not only those things. The wicked way is any way that we're trusting in, looking at, hoping through, worshiping through, praying through, than a humble, broken, contrite heart through faith in the cross of Christ. Never forget that humility is only experienced at Calvary. The grace we have, the faith we have, the humility that we experience, if we experience for the more grace God has for us, only takes place when we're trusting in Christ's work at Calvary alone. Don't go for this teaching that that's how we got in and now it's just up to us. Yeah, it's still up to us to keep believing 
what it was up to us to believe at first to be saved. And when we believed upon Christ, we were saved by that grace. We were given uh, a measure of that faith. And the humility of Christ became the humility God saw in us. The, the, the obedience that Christ became to us, for us, we became that in the eyes of God. There is no humility that God will give grace to outside of faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Humility is not just crying. Humility uh, is not just well-mannered and soft. Humility is I'm not trusting in anything I'm doing, anything anybody else is doing. My trust and my hope alone, and it's not just words. I can't manipulate God. God sees that my heart is trusting in His Son and His Son's work at Calvary alone. I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm coming out from among those who are not using God's Word to point me to that great work of redemption at all times. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We had a great service yesterday, and, and, and I'm glad to be here, and we'll be continuing our Romans Bible study, as I said, every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And Friday mornings, I'm teaching Timothy in the studio. And uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm also coming in uh, to the office just to share God's Word in this season of great turmoil and upheaval and, and, and darkness that has plagued the land because God's will is that in the midst of any darkness, the greatest darkness that covers the earth, the greatest fear that tries to attack God's people, His will in the midst of that is that we draw closer. We, we trust Him more. We don't run to a church building. We don't, we don't run to something we do. We run to God through faith in what He did in His Son at Calvary, and we cling to that. We make that our boast. We, we praise God for saving us through the blood, keeping us through the blood, hearing our prayers through the blood, allowing us to worship and praise Him through the blood. Amen. We draw near. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked way. We pray then, and God hears our prayers. God, God doesn't move on the prayers of the righteous just because they're righteous. Now, hold with me for a minute because I know all, we've never, the church hadn't been taught a whole lot in the centuries. We've been, we've been taught a lot, but, we, but we've not been taught completely and rightly so. Watch very closely here. The, the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man avail much. Well, if you've been born again, you're righteous. You're in Christ. You, you, in the eyes of God, you are righteous. But yet, the Bible also says that, and, and, and Peter wrote this, that if a man, a Christian husband, doesn't treat his wife, a Christian wife, as a co-equal heir of God's grace, his prayers can be hindered. Think about that. He's righteous, but his actions, we're not saved by our actions, but but we have this what we call condition. We have this what we call uh, fruit to be bare. And God is interested in the way we live. God does uh, reward men 
based on their works. God hears prayers, answers prayers, but also at the same time, even though we're righteous, our prayers can be hindered. So that proves that just because we're saved, just because we are righteous in our position in Christ, doesn't necessarily mean that we're walking in the proper condition, which is not hard. It's just to simply... Fight the good fight of faith to maintain my faith in Jesus Christ and His works means I'm humble, I'm broken, I can't do it. I'm not going to argue, complain, have to have the last word, throw a few curse words in to get people to realize I'm serious. See, those are all things I'm doing to get attention on me, to, 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 to get my way. It's not about my will. It's about God's will, which is perfect. And if I'll humble myself, which only means I'm trusting in what he can do by the grace of God because of what he did by the grace of God in his son, Jesus Christ, at the cross. It's very kindergarten. It's very simple. But you will find yourself fighting the good fight of faith all day, every day, to maintain your faith there to maintain your faith in the cross of Christ. And so I needed to say those things because every time we have a crisis, the church runs to 2 Chronicles 7.14 and they quote it and they declare it and they post all over social media that if God's people would begin to pray, no, if God's people would humble themselves, which means a return to the cross. God's people who reject that are God's people who don't have oil in their lamps anymore. God's people who reject that and think that their prayers just automatically because they're saved are going to get answered don't understand the path of righteousness that God has called us to walk on. And just because I'm righteous doesn't mean that my prayers can't be hindered. Doesn't mean that my prayers are automatically going to be answered. You need to read the book of James. need to read Peter's writings. I've shared it with you. There is a justified position in Christ at the right hand of our Father, but there's also what we call, the Bible calls, a sanctifying process. Think about it. You need to think about it. You need, you need to quit sitting under and listening to preachers that just quote the positive and encouraging things to you from the Bible. You need to be learning the Word of God because there is a balance. The, the, the Word of God is not just blessings, blessings, blessings. The, the Word of God is uh, commands. And when the, the captain of our salvation has given us commands to walk in, and we're told in the Word that His commands are sure, that means they'll surely work for us if we'll walk in them. And if all we're doing is sitting listening to what God's able to do, God's able to do, and we're not hearing the avenue through which God does those things. I'm sick of the other. Just I mean, we know what the Bible says God will do. And if we don't, get in the Word, and you'll find out the many things God has promised to do in you, through you, to you, for you, by you. But there is also a place he does that. It's not mysticism and magic. It's through, it's by grace through faith. And that all is found in Christ and his work at Calvary. Outside of that, we're still just pretending instead of contending for the faith. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire, Paul says, and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be saved. Paul praying for his brethren according to the lineage of Abraham. 
Paul says his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Oh God, open the eyes of Israel. Oh God, let them see that Jesus is the Lord. Oh God, let them see. Open their eyes. Remove the blinders of Satan from among. Let them see. Watch verse 2 now. Because I bear them record, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. This is so important because God doesn't just recognize a zeal for him. God sees it. God sees it as God saw Cornelius. Now that's a great story that needs to be pondered upon with much uh, desire to, to find the truth of God in that story of Cornelius. He was giving to the poor. He was sowing. He was doing good works. But, but, and God saw that. And God also saw that Cornelius wanted to, 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 to serve God and to worship God and to be found right in the eyes of God. And he, and he wasn't doing it just for self-exaltation. And God gave Peter a dream, gave Cornelius a dream, sent Peter to preach the gospel to Cornelius because he had to believe the gospel. He had to trust in the gospel and then it could be the Holy Spirit in him, through him, taking care of the, the things that God called him to do. Listen, all the good works in the world, if it's not the Holy Spirit through faith in the gospel, through faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, it's just us doing good works and we will be self-righteous even though we won't use those words according to what we're doing but that's what we'll be in God's eyes and that's what they were that's what Israel was and we'll see that today just because someone has a zeal for God if it's not according to knowledge and proper knowledge biblical knowledge of the truth which is in the person and the work of Christ at Calvary God's not going to acknowledge it with his saving grace God sees it God rec recognizes everything the Mormon folks who ride their bicycles all over town in every town in America trying to work their way into the kingdom again a very simple simple thing to remember see these teachings are here to help you be equipped for the work of the ministry. Number one, that's so that you and I can learn how the Holy Spirit works and what He won't work in and the only thing He does work in, which is the truth and our faith in that of God's Word. But there, hear me now this morning. I've shared this on the last broadcast. Uh, but there are no works outside of Christ that God will recognize and reward. Let me say it again. There are no works outside of Christ. That means our faith in what he did at Calvary. There are no works outside of Christ that God will recognize or reward. There are no works outside of Christ that I can do to get me into Christ. The only entrance into Christ to become the body of Christ, to be saved, born again, a child of God, is to place my faith in what God recognizes and rewards tr legitimate faith to be in, and that's in the death of Jesus. And the Bible in Romans 6 verse 3 says that we were immersed into His death. You need to get this. You need to understand this. There are no works outside of Christ that can be done 
by us to get us in Christ. He did the work at Calvary. He became the new and living way, Hebrews chapter. Hebrews chapter 2. He, he became, or 10, I, I forget, Hebrews chap, Hebrews, he became the new and living way. That means through his flesh that we enter in through him. Now, now you need to understand this. All the works that we're called and ordained as God's people to walk in are only in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 and 10. So everybody that's out here on the outside, not saved yet, God has not offered any works that we can do to obtain righteousness in His eyes. Because all the works are only in Christ. They're not outside of Christ, so we can work our way in, Mormon people, Jehovah's Witness people, all other cults and religions are about what you've got to do to get to God. Christianity is about what God did to get to you so that you could be with Him forever. And the work was finished in Christ, declared as finished by Christ at the cross. There aren't, let me say it again, you need to remember this. This needs to be as concrete, settled forever in your heart, soul, and spirit so that you can minister this when you run across, when God puts these false thoughts and lies in the hearts of people in your path. There are no works outside of Christ that we can use to work our way into Christ. In Christ means we've been immersed into His death by the Spirit of God through our faith in His death. Then the works begin. There are no works outside of Christ that we might become righteous for that would be something we do and then we would be self-obtained righteousness. And the Bible is clear that any of that is filthy, is as filthy rags to God. Any works that are done outside of Christ are filthy rags. There is filthy rags to God. We need to remember that. See how easy that is. If you're a Bible believer, and those a lot of those people, Cults, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, they, they say they believe the Bible, but they really don't. Their Jesus is not our Jesus. Our Jesus did the work, finished the work. Our Jesus is the door. There's no other way into Christ except through the door that opened for you at the cross through His work in death. Any other thing that's being taught is another Jesus, another way. It's part of the many millions of uh, uh, broad paths that Satan is the influence behind every one of them. Think about that. Now, verse 3 says, now, verse 2 says, now, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, not according to the truth of God's Word. Verse 3, because they being ignorant of God's righteousness... Do you see the focus here? You can have a zeal for God. You can have a zeal for God, but if you don't get the righteousness part, that means you've not got Jesus right. That means you've not understood Jesus and what He did at the cross. If you don't get God's righteousness, you don't get God, and He doesn't get you. He sent His Son to die for all of humanity. All of humanity, 
He sent His Son to die for all of humanity. And all that believe upon Him become righteous in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Only in Christ, through faith in His work at Calvary, do we become righteous. It's through the very righteousness of God that we even have obtained the faith we have. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We've obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God. Now, we need to think about that. We need to know that. We need to remember that. Uh, that it's not by what we do that faith comes. It's by the righteousness of God that faith came. That means the very Word of God we heard in the context of Jesus in His righteous work at Calvary, we obtained like precious faith. That means the measure, the portion of that faith Jesus tasted death by. Galatians 2.20. Hallelujah. Good news, isn't it? Now, but and we, we've got to understand this because the Bible here says in verse 3 of Romans 10, Israel was ignorant means they didn't know. Ignorant. Now we've heard this uh, taught through the years and it's very good that inside the word ignorant, which means I don't know, is the word ignore. Which means now I've heard and I'm choosing to ignore. I'm cho I don't want to know. I don't, I'm not believing that. I, I'm ignoring that. I'm clinging to my golden calf and I've been bringing this up a lot lately in this time when God is uh, this, this plague that has plagued the whole earth today, this COVID-19, this unclean, noisome, pestilent spirit of infirmity that God is going to push away soon because His mercy and His grace and His compassions are greater, hallelujah, for His people than we could ever imagine. But in the midst of this, God is trying to get us to, to, to see how faithful He is, how loving and compassionate He really is. But he's trying to get us to learn that there's only one avenue that we can be found trusting in him through, and that is what his son did at Calvary. And if you'll remember in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses came down off the mountain after having received the law from God, he found Israel in a big uh, a party scene, uh, probably a horrible uh, horrible scene. They had built a golden calf, but at the same time they thought they would try to manipulate God and built an altar right beside the golden calf. So yes, uh, we, we're not going to let go of the altar, but we're going to also worship this golden calf, what we've built with our own hands, because apparently we don't know what's become of this one who brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what's become of Moses. So we're tired of waiting on him, sounds like the church today. So let us build these other things, bring these other things into the church we can trust in instead of just Christ and him crucified. And hear me, when Moses came down off that mountain, God asked through him the people of Israel, who's on the Lord's side? I'm not sticking with this very much today, but I want to bring it up. One tribe out of the twelve said, I'll let go. I'll, God forgive me. I'm coming out from among the golden calf builders. One tribe, the Levites, out of all twelve, eleven tribes said, I'm staying with it. We've built it. I used my own gold, silver, and earrings to build this. I labored for this. I gave to this. I'm not letting go of this. One tribe came out. 
Same thing's happening today, my friends. And my preacher friends who are preaching nothing but this great gospel of Jesus Christ, determined to know nothing else, don't be shocked that all these other people won't let go of the, 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 the things they're trusting in. And the next time you ask yourself, why is it that they see, they're seeing but they can't see? They're hearing but they can't hear. They're, they're talking but they can't speak right. Why, why? Listen, the book of Psalms 115 within that chapter tells us that whatever you're building and trusting in, you're just like it. And all idols can't speak, they can't hear, they can't talk, they're dead. And when we are trusting in something other than what God did in Christ at Calvary, we become like those idols. That's what the Bible says. Read it in Psalms 115. That we also become like the idols we build. Can't see, can't hear, can't talk. We can't function properly. That happened to Israel. It's happening now to the church. Who is it that's coming out of all the false doctrine? Who is it that says, okay, I, I'm going to have to accept this, that Jesus and his way at the cross is the only answer from heaven. It's the only thing that God has given us to put our faith and trust and hope in him through. I'm going to have to throw out the purpose-driven, the government of 12, the, the walk of Emmaus, the, the promise keepers, everything that men has brought in to the church saying, yes, yes, I still believe in the work of Christ at Calvary, but these things also. Nope, nope. That's why there's a new scheme every year because that didn't work. There has to every year be new things that men brings into the church because none of them work. They all die out because they don't work. The one thing that doesn't die out that causes you to experience the newness of the life you've received in Christ every day is the faith that you've received in the one who died for you. When that becomes what you're subject to, what your confession and profession is, that I, I, I've, I'm giving myself back to you, Lord, through faith alone in the sacrifice of Christ, then, my friends, you will begin to see a move of God that you won't have orchestrated, but it will be God have, having strategically through your humble and broken heart for having moved away from the faith. He's able to bring you back to the faith and able to move you forward now in the faith. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, let's finish this third verse. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Means they didn't know. They wouldn't subject themselves to it and going about to establish their own righteousness. This is why you can preach the cross even to most of the church today and they say, I already know that, I already know that. The cross has been being preached for 2,000 years and that, that what they're saying is, I don't need that for today. You need, I need to learn how the, the message of the cross, the gospel, affects my daily life. Remember what we said at the onset of this broadcast. Just because you're righteous and the promises that the prayers of the righteous will avail much doesn't mean that your prayers, because you're righteous, are going to avail much. Well, then God's a liar. No, God's not a liar. There are requirements on you to walk before God, to walk as a child of God in light and not in darkness, as wise and not foolish. There, there are requirements that you read Galatians chapter 2 when Peter did his big piece of stupid and had to be corrected when he remained righteous in God's eyes and justified, but he moved himself out of the path of righteousness. He, he removed himself off 
off of the path of the just in his experience and had to be rebuked by the Apostle Paul. How many times have we done that? And maybe through that and some other things, Peter learned and was able to write in the Word of God that if I, a righteous child of God, don't consider my wife and treat my wife as a co-equal heir of God's grace, then my prayers can be hindered. So we, we need to be learning God's Word and understand this. So so let's make sure we don't fall off into a, a, a boat of ignorance or ignoring what God's Word says just because I don't like it or I don't really... Well, that's something I've never heard and I don't know about that. You, you need to get in the Word and you need to be learning God's Word as truth. See, it's the truth of God's Word He wants you to have in your heart. He says, Israel, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own. As long as I think I can be righteous before God through what I do, I am ignorant of His righteousness. Because I Look at the end of verse 3. Because I refuse to submit unto the righteousness of God. Verse 4, because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes upon Christ doing the righteous work. Think about that. As long, I'm, I'm going to read this verse 3. We might stay here for a while. It's so important because even after I've become righteous, been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through my faith in His work at Calvary where He took all my sin and gave me all His righteousness, but yet he's, He has declared that I should walk, be led in the truth, which is the path of His righteousness. And when I move away thinking that now I can even as a child of God who is righteous, I'm not like Israel, I've accepted Christ, but I can also now reject his righteousness by thinking I can bear fruit through faith in anything other than His work at, at Calvary. And God does not just honor what I go do. God honors what He desires to do in me and lead me into so that He can be the one who is actually carrying out His will in and through me. Oh, we need to learn that. Oh, if we would only learn that. That just because I've been saved by grace does not mean today I'm living by grace. Just because I was humble and broken at the cross and received salvation through my faith in Christ at Calvary and became righteous does not mean today that just because I cry and my emotions are moved that I'm humble and broken and still trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary. That is all God's looking for from you, my friend. God's not looking for you, all these things that we think God's looking for. God is looking for your faith to remain in His Son and what His Son did for you at Calvary. There the Holy Spirit will be able to lead you in all truth, all the truth of God's Word, and He will be able to bring forth the fruits of the righteousness of Christ. And I'm thankful to know that today we're out of time. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to sow seed into good ground where you can reap the benefits of Jesus Christ and the truth of who He is and what He did at Calvary. You can give at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text your giving to 903 231 5950. I'll see you Thursday morning for 
more of this Romans teaching, but I'll be here in the morning at 9 a.m. And I believe we're going to be in Psalms 119 to begin to talk about God's wonderful and marvelous words. Hallelujah. Oh, he's such a good God. Hallelujah. Let's pray before we leave today. Father, we ask for your rebuke upon the evil in this land, that evil plague, God, that plagues your people. We ask for your rebuke, God, upon the ignorance that resides among your people, that you would open our eyes and show us the wonderful truths of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the work he did for us at Calvary from Genesis to Revelation, that you would turn the light of your word on in our hearts and cause your countenance to shine upon us as never before. We praise you, Lord, for great conviction (coughs) among your people and that we would learn to hunger and thirst for your righteousness again in these last few moments in which you've put us here to live right now. We give you all the praise and we thank you for everything you're doing in Jesus' name today. Hallelujah. God bless you. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.